When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another edition of The Best of Mornings with Matt White right here on SEN. On Tuesday, Simon Hill shared his reaction to Graham Arnold staying on for a further four years with the Socceroos. Special guests tonight on the global game will be Adelaide United keeper Joe Gauci and Sydney FC midfielder Max Burgess. So as I pointed out, and Simon will be joining us soon, the currently ranked 27th Socceroos in the world will continue to have Graham Arnold uh, leading them for the next four years. So this news came out yesterday and it was rubber stamped yesterday afternoon. The end of 2026, so it takes you through to the next end of the next World Cup cycle, but also overseeing the other levels below the Socceroos levels. And that is an important one. So too confirmation that Stadium Australia, so out there at Homebush, will be the opening match of the FIFA Women's World Cup starting in July. And it'll be Australia versus the Republic of Ireland. It was set to be at Allianz Stadium, but it was a no-brainer in the end, wasn't it? Allianz might be nice and shiny and new. However, it ain't as big as Stadium Australia, and the tickets um, that will go on sale will be, and that have already been on sale, rather, will be notified that there will be a change and they'll get more people. It'll be a bigger stage. So that was an obvious one. Simon Hill is on the line. Good morning to you, mate. So, Graham Arnold, the deal's done. In your opinion, good deal. Four years takes us to the end of 26. Uh, it's a very good deal, particularly for Graham Arnold. Yeah. <laughs> and especially if you, uh, if you believe the amount of money that's uh, been put in front of him. Uh, but, yeah, look, you know, on a serious note, I think Arnie's earned you know, that extended contract. Um, the, the four-year cycle obviously takes him to the end of uh, the World Cup in 2026, which will be in the US, Canada and Mexico. Um, and yeah, I, I don't think many people will, will have too many complaints after what they did in Qatar, however surprising it might have been uh, at the time. And this gives uh, you know, the national team the chance to have continuity. The players you know, clearly love Arnie and respect him. Uh, he, he knows the game in this country inside out. And I guess the you know the other thing, and this is not being disrespectful to Arnie, but it, the other thing uh, from Football Australia's point of view is if they, if they weren't going to renew the contract, where else were they going to go? Yeah. Um, and domestically, I don't think there are an awful lot of other candidates that would you know stand out, uh, which means you're looking at overseas, which can be disruptive, can be expensive. Uh, and is normally a short-term fix. So I, I think it makes sense for all parties concerned. Uh, the, the one thing I, I worry a little bit uh, for Arnie, you know, on a personal level is that had he uh, gone elsewhere on the back of this, you know, his legacy would be secure. Now, we all know that football goes in cycles and, uh, you know, he's king of the hill at the moment and rightly so. If they have a poor Asian Cup, you know, he'll, he'll be back under pressure. But that's just the nature of football. Mm. And uh, I'm sure Arnie understands that. He's, he's been in this game long enough to know it. And, uh, I, you know, I, th- I think overall it's, it's a good uh, deal for him and a good deal uh, for the national team. Jimmy Smith is going to have a chat with Graham Arnold on his show a little bit later on this afternoon, so I guess we'll get more answers. But did you hear, and, and we had this chat the other week, didn't we, about 
okay, if it's not Graham Arnold, then who for the Socceroos? But what mm. about the flip side? If it wasn't the Socceroos for Graham Arnold, did you did you get any insight into where perhaps he, he may have landed another job? Well, I mean, he said he had interest in Europe and uh, in Asia, particularly, I think, the Middle East. Um, now, obviously... You know, the Middle East has a lot of money, which would have probably made him financially secure, whether he wants to live in that part of the world, whether he wants to take on a job that uh, is normally pretty volatile in that region. You know, your last six months, if you don't win, you're normally out on your ear with uh, a nice compensation package, but uh, back looking for work. So uh, I, I think, you know, he would have been interested in the European gigs, and I have no insight as, as to what they were. Um, you know, I, I don't know if it would have been, for example, English Premier League. I suspect perhaps not. Uh, maybe it may be in a different league on the continent. Of course, Arnie played in Belgium for a long time um, and Holland as well. So, you know, may, maybe one of the low countries uh, uh, clubs that maybe remember him, of course, from his playing days and were impressed by what he did at the World Cup, but were interested. But uh, no, only Arnie knows. Yes. The truth, and I'm sure he's not going to tell people publicly <laughs> because, yeah, that will be a breach of confidence. Yeah, and he's played that game before. I mentioned just as you were jumping on the phone, the the move by, um, well, the FIFA Women's World Cup to put the Matildas opening match at Stadium Australia. I mean, this was a, essentially a no-brainer, really, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. I, I think we all know what's going to happen. Do you think that's a fair way to put it in terms of the amount of support that will roll in when this Women's World Cup gets underway? Well, put it this way, if every seat isn't sold, then uh, I'll want to know why. Uh, I I can't imagine that it'll be anything other than a sellout. I mean, you know, World Cups are once-in-a-lifetime opportunities uh, in our sport, and uh, to have it in Australia is incredible. And, of course, you know, the national team, uh, the Matildas are very popular in this country, and, you know, we we believe they've got a chance of, of having a very good World Cup. So... Uh, the other thing, of course, is that they're playing Ireland in that opening game. And we know that there are probably uh, quite a few Irish expats who live in Australia as well. So I, I don't think there'll be any issue in selling out the game. And, and as you rightly say, mate, it's uh, it's a no-brainer. Why wouldn't you put it at the biggest stadium, sell it out, get the tournament off to a really cracking start, and uh, and hopefully the Matildas you know, can get the three points as well. Yeah, ranked 12th in the world at the moment. So that first one is July 20. And and I touched on this yesterday. We didn't touch on it, but I, I tried to get as much information around the one-day situation as I could yesterday at Amy Park. So we know breaks his leg, which was just horrible, snapped his leg. Mm. And, and there was this very specific reason why there was no ambulance there. They don't have static ambulances on site in Victoria, a decision that was made back in 2018. Yeah. So he was getting the care. He just wasn't getting the transport within you know, the word go. So that's the situation and that's the best way to put it. Um, I guess my initial take was something that we've also discussed as well is, well, gee, there's a bad look for that one. And, and you were calling that, weren't you? So, you know, it's, it's a bad look for the game, but it's all, it's almost one of those situations that I, I don't know how you fix or how you control or how you even plan on this may or may not happen. Well, I don't think you can, to be honest. Uh, you know, all the information that's come to light, and obviously this is a situation that thankfully doesn't happen uh, too often, mm. um, but all the information that's come to light after this event uh, w- was news to me. You know, I'd, I always was of uh, the assumption that ambulances were necessities at uh, sporting events. Now, clearly that's changed 
at least in Victoria, uh, since 2018. Yeah. Uh, and probably exacerbated by the pandemic where, you know, those ambulances are needed for life-threatening situations. And look, that's probably fair enough. I, I, you know, I'm no expert in, in the, uh, the resources of the health system. Um, although the, the one thing I do know is that it's very, very good here in Australia, much better than, you know, what I was used to in, in the UK, for example. And that's no slight on the NHS, by the way. It's just resourcing. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, it did seem an awful long time that one day had to wait. Um, now, you know, obviously they gave him the best possible care on the ground. And <clears throat> I'm told, again, that the new regulations are that you have these emergency physicians that are, on the ground who are trained better than paramedics to be able to administer the uh, the pain relief that uh, you know the athletes need in those situations whilst they wait for the transport to arrive um, but I, I do remember thinking you know during that long break and obviously we had to talk all the way through it mm. that uh, you know you're thinking well where's this ambulance you know it should it should be here by now but um Look, I'm not going to criticise the health system. That they do a wonderful job, and uh, you know, all, all I know, or, or from what I've learned over the last 24 hours, is that Funday had his operation that night in Melbourne, and uh, it was a success. Uh, hopefully, it was comfortable because it was it was a horrible, horrible yeah. moment, and uh, you know, hopefully, he can he can resume his his playing career at some point in the future. Yep, yep. Well said. All right, you're back on tonight. Broski will be with you. Uh, Joe Gauchi and Max Burgess, special guests on the Global Game. Have a good show. That's it. Cheers, mate. Have a good week. Jaleesa Apps joined Manny to discuss Tom Trebojevic's return from the United States and the latest on CBA negotiations. Let's go back and talk some more footy now. Uh, SEN host and Channel 10 reporter Jaleesa Apps is on the line. Who is that? The press conference yesterday at the Seagulls where Anthony Seabold and Tom Trebojevic were out in front of the media. Good morning, J.A. What was your take from that? Obviously, Seabs was in defence of Tommy Turbo and Tommy Turbo appears ready to go from round one. Yeah, well, uh, well, first of all, I was just so um, surprised at the kind of confidence that Tommy Turbo has come back in. Even with um, just talking to the media yesterday, he just seemed really sure of himself and um, really... uh, I don't know, he just had this newfound confidence. I mean, he's never been, like, shy with the media, but he's never been a huge talker. But he was just really relaxed, and I think that seemed to be a lot of what they worked on um, overseas. It's so funny, though, because it's so hard to nail down exactly what Bill Knowles does. (laughs) Like, I'm sure he's very accomplished, and I'm sure he knows what he's doing. But when you're like, okay, so, but what does he do? And the words that were being used were like, Oh, well, he, you know, uh, teaches you how to um, sort of command, I think command the ground was what he was saying or or own the ground, but that's what he was saying. And I was like, what does that mean? (laughs) What does this mean? But don't you reckon... Obviously, we've all seen them. Don't don't you reckon, sorry, don't you reckon that that Bill Knowles says to them, okay, when you go back, don't, whatever you do, don't give away my secrets. Otherwise... Everyone here will be doing it. I mean, I'll put my hand up to be the to be the hamstring whisperer. So I reckon there's a little bit of, hey, this is confidential information. So whatever you do when you go back, kind of tell them where you're at, but don't tell them what I do. 
Yeah, of course. And like even in the videos that we were getting, like it was all really awesome to see those rehab videos that we were getting uh, while he was over there um, that the Seagulls were releasing. But if you looked at that, it just looked like anything else that you saw every other day when you're hanging around a footy club. So obviously we're not going to film the, the bits that are really crucial. But I guess it, it felt like a very holistic management plan. And um Seabold also spoke about, you know, they're going to be able to bring a lot of this back because the physio has been over there taking notes as well, which is awesome. Um, And crucially, he said it was never about getting him back faster. It was preventing these injuries and kind of what he explained, which I which I thought explained it really well. He said when you're when you're getting injured, the body's not working all together. There's something that's wrong. And so it was correcting that so that, um, you know, you're not getting these future injuries. So let's hope that the turbo is never in the garage again. (laughs) Well, I also wonder too just how much it is of getting out of the rugby league bubble. I mean, these, you know, the players do have the opportunity and they take off and they go on overseas trips and holidays. But getting out of the bubble, we saw it with Luttrell, um, came back getting out of the NRL bubble for a while. Tommy's now done it. Ryan Pappenhausen's now done it. So I wonder how much of a little boost that is just to get away from the day-to-day um, especially at the start of the season or in Latrell's case, mid-season. Do you reckon there's anything in that? Oh, yeah, of course. And, I mean, also he spends a lot of time around other clubs um, and other athletes. And so I think there's just a huge benefit in just seeing how other clubs are managed and how other athletes manage their lives and how they deal with things like media and um, and things like that. So um, I, I think there's just a huge benefit to, um, yeah, going and, and just – well, it's like with any job, right? When you go to and see how someone else does anything, you can bring bring it back. Yeah, exactly. Hey, um, th- this issue, so the CBA issue we know is going on and the talks are, are starting to get heavy. Where is the reporting of the pregnancy policy for NRLW's uh, players at the moment? Because there appears to be a little bit out there that, that perhaps is not the truth and a little bit in there that perhaps is the truth. Can you give us any clarity around that? Well, I think it's really hard to have clarity over where the sticking points are on the whole CBA, really, because, um, I, you know, I think the NRL have said, well, no, they're happy with that um, to get to conform with that pregnancy policy. Um, but, you know, there's other sticking points, so that's holding up the CBA. And it is really confusing to to kind of unmuddle everything and and that what they do need to do is just get in get into a room and and sort all the sticking mm. points out because I think this has been a confusing thing also for fans for the last few weeks. Even when I was talking, like I did a um, interview with Keely Davis, and she was talking uh, about how you know they're not they're not insured for a whole year of their contract, which is just that is really something that needs to be. Um, addressed because you've got girls at the moment that will not play in their state-based competitions for fear of risking an NRLW contract. So you've actually got girls that are going to go into state of origin or NRLW having barely played since the World Cup because they're not insured. So I I think, you know, there's a lot of different sticking points um, in the CBA and it, it is really hard to to pin down where the actual problems are because also you're having the RLPA come out and say, well, they're rejecting all these. These are all the things we wanted and the we're rejecting what they've put forward. Then you've got the NRL who 
are, they haven't been as open with their communication, particularly with the media, which you could understand, but where you don't, you just don't know where the sticking points are. I think this is going to drag on for so long though. And that is the worrying thing is that they are, they seem to be, when you talk to the players that are on the RLPA and are representing and having a look at the CBA negotiations, they seem to say they are so far apart. They're not even close. And the coaches have had their say this morning in the poll that's in the News Limited papers. And and the one that jumped out at me was half of the coaches rated the NRL's handling of the talks over the salary cap and therefore the CBA as being very bad. One out of five. On a scale of one to five, they gave them the one. Very, very bad. So the coaches are in that corner. I spoke to Jason Demetrio last week on this program and and sort of put him in the middle there. I said, I can understand that you'd want to be – you're clearly – in, in favour of what's good for your players, but you also, as a leading coach in the game or a coach in the game, you have to be almost essentially have a foot in the in the game itself's camp of the NRL. So it's a tough one. And for them to come out and say, 50% of them to come out and say that it's very bad shows that we've got a big issue on our hands. Yeah, and it is really an unusual. You would think that their alliance would sort of be more with the NRL, but you've kind of seen um, them really, the clubs really supporting the players, and you know some um, they're not doing some media and some um, you know opportunities like that that promote the game. Um, so it is an interesting situation. What I think though that it, you need to take out of this for everyone is, is if there wasn't a fight, no one in this would be doing their job. So if a CBA got done really quickly, I actually don't think people would be doing their job properly because either you wouldn't be advocating as the RPA wouldn't be advocating as hard as they should for their players, and the NRL wouldn't be as being as conservative as they should mm. for the business as a whole. So I actually think that nutting this out is not a not necessarily. I know it looks really bad, but I actually don't think it is a bad thing. I actually think it's a sign of everyone's kind of doing their job. And when it gets to this point where it starts to get a bit messy and people are talking in media and there's contradicting statements of what, what's going to be accepted and what isn't, that is when it's probably gone a bit far. agree with you on that. I think the public side of it, what the public are getting has been messy and cluttered, uh, cluttered um, and needs to be simple and straightforward. Now, before I let you go, our Wednesday takeaway this morning, Jaleesa, where we've been discussing what you wouldn't miss when it comes to the world of sports. So let me throw a couple at you and see if you wouldn't miss this. In NRL, would you miss it if they got rid of scrums? Uh, no, useless. <laughs> useless. Would Actually, you, just fix them. Would you miss the bunker? I would. I'd miss it for my news story. See, <laughs> so, yeah, that's exactly what we've been saying. Would you miss t- t- uh, Nick Kyrgios if he, if he bailed out of tennis, if he retired? Yeah, yep, I'd miss any Australian. <laughs> Final one. Would you have you ever worn and therefore actually I think I know the question because I saw you dressed up in here last week. Would you miss oh, the bucket go. hats? Uh, the bucket hats in the BBL. Would you miss the old KFC buckets? Mate, have you ever been to a BBL where it is absolutely <laughs> teeming with rain? They are the only thing that keep me there. They Come keep on. me dry while I'm oh, sitting there miserable yeah. and it's pouring down and you're thinking, oh, maybe I'll get three overs out of watching this game. <laughs> <laughs> the bucket hat's keeping me dry. You can't get rid of the bucket hat. That's oh. outrageous. Yeah, oh, dear. All right. Good work, buddy. Nice to catch up with you. We'll speak again soon. Bye. Jaleesa Apps joining us there. I knew she'd be in favour. I, I told you. Last week came in here and Jaleesa and Jimmy were doing breakfast and it was their dress-up day. 
and Jimmy was dressed as some sort of pirate, ACDC loving pirate. I still, I'm still kind of getting my head around that. And JA was full head to toe um, in the in the big bash gear, in the KFC gear. Full, I mean, it was like walking, I don't know what it was. I, it was like, was it Eminem? I, I don't know. It was something really, really weird. Uh, but she wouldn't miss them. But wouldn't also wouldn't miss or would miss them, but wouldn't miss the scrums in rugby league scrums. It appears as though your time is up. Newcastle Knights recruit Lockie Miller spoke with Maddie about joining the club for the next three years. Thank you, Vanessa. Looking forward to this chat. Our first guest of the day are now settling into his new life in Newcastle as part of the Knights lineup for this season. In fact, up until the end of 2025, Lockie Miller is on the line. G'day, Lockie. Hey, guys, how are you? Good, thanks. Thanks for your time this morning. So you're settling in. Give us a little rundown of of the last, what is it, the week, I guess, that's probably tipped your world upside down. Uh, Yeah, it's sort of been in the works for a little while there. Um, And then, yeah, it sort of all just happened in the uh, (laughs) uh, sort of Friday last week, I heard, and then I was up here Monday. So um, it all happened pretty quick, but, uh, yeah, very excited. So what are we, Thursday? You've been there since Monday, have you? Like, how did that pan out? Is it just you up there? Have you had the chance to even bring the family up or what's the go? Yeah, no, not yet. I just, um, I sort of just gave notice everywhere down there and then got in the car and came up here and then uh, <laughs> my, my family will get up here today, so... Yeah, excellent. Just and me for a little bit. Yeah, and, and look, we know that obviously... Like you say, it's been in the pipeline for a while, so it's not as though it's something, Lockie, that just came out of the blue and you had to up and out. But there was a bit of a deal that needed to be done with the player swap. Was there any stage where you thought or your team thought that perhaps this wasn't going to go ahead or did it appear to you that Newcastle was where you're going to play this season? Uh, yeah, obviously um, I've got a pretty good relationship with uh, Craig Fitzgibbon, like my ex-coach. Um, and he was he was honest. He he was told me it's um, it's going to happen. It's just yeah. you know just got to get through it and get you know something for both teams. So um, I sort of knew it was going to happen. It was more about when. And um, you know as I said, he was really good throughout. It helped me a lot. So uh, yeah, but I'm here and I'm, I'm excited. I, I don't know how you go with goodbyes. I'm a shocker at goodbyes. So how how did you broach the subject with your teammates? You've had such a good time at the Sharks. Yeah, it's, it was tough. Obviously, they built some pretty good uh, relationships with everyone, but um, Fitzy was good enough and the club were good enough to let me go in on Monday morning and just uh, just say goodbye to everyone um, around their prep and everything and then just say thank you to all the coaches and, and then shot off. So it was good. It was nice to leave on that note. In terms of what it means for you career-wise, it's a deal that takes you out for the next three years. You've got a young family, so we've covered that aspect of it. So it gives you that clarity, I guess, Lockie, around what happens for you football and job-wise for the next few years. In terms of on the park-wise, how did you weigh that up, the position that you're in at the Sharks and your possible future there versus the position you could have been at the Knights and, and your future there now? Yeah, when when it sort of was going on, it was it was a tough decision because you know I didn't know any better, and I really, um, as I said, really enjoyed my time down in Canola, and you know thought uh, largely of um, Craig, but the opportunity that um, Newcastle and Adam gave to me around possibly being um, the the fullback here, it was too hard to pass pass up, and you know like I always sort of grew up, you know, you, you dream of being a 
sort of a starting player or even like, you know, playing NRL. So to be, you know, an integral part of that spine, possibly, it was, um, as I said, too hard to pass up. And I can imagine, because you've referenced it, I can imagine, you know, that relationship that you've had with Fitzy would have been difficult to let go as well. But obviously the, the honesty talks and sessions that you've had with him would have made that easier. So how did you then gravitate? What? How much do you know about Adam O'Brien and, and how much do you think you can learn under him that you were thinking that you could have got under Craig? I was actually like a, a meeting I had with him, you know, when I came off contract. Um, and he just seems like a really good bloke. And uh, everything he sort of said to me about what the Knights want to do and how he wants to use um, his fullback with uh, Kalen at 5'8 and with Jacko and um, Braley, it was sort mm. of all appealed to me and it sounded really good. So um, it's sort of the, pl- the way I'd like to play as well. So that's, uh, yeah, that's why I sort of was like, yeah, sounds like the coach for me. It's only a couple of years ago now, but does your Rugby Sevens career feel like a long time ago or do you still feel as though there's a lot of learning to get out of the NRL world? Uh, it feels like it was ages ago, but there's definitely um, there's definitely still a lot of learning for myself. Yeah. Um, obviously, I only had the one year um, last year. I learned a lot, but obviously you never you never arrive. You always got to keep learning. So um, I'm really looking forward to this year and learning under some new coaches and some uh, new players. So, yeah. How's the, uh, how's the situation around Newcastle? Have you scoped it out? It's a pretty good place, mate. I lived yeah. there for a couple of years. Beautiful beaches, great pubs, great cafes. Yeah, it's nice. Eh? <laughs> I, um, it's a little bit less hustle and bustle of Sydney, which is nice, but I'm a, a Coffs Harbour boy originally, so it's a little bit more like home. Um, so, yeah, I think the family's going to like it when they get up here and have a look around. It's a nice spot. And a final one. I mean, obviously it's early days, but the expectations from you in this position and, and like you say, that that starting position is there, the new spine out of the Newcastle Knights under Adam O'Brien, what are the expectations for you and the Newcastle Knights and what do you reckon you can offer fans this season as a club? Yeah, so for myself, obviously, you know, I sort of just arrived, so I'd really like to try and make that fullback spot mine. Uh, and then sort of heading forward, obviously building those combinations with the spine and, um, you know, everyone else outside that do the middles and the and the edges. But um, the expectation for me is just I want to get on the park, play some good footy, and then obviously for the fans, we're going to deliver, deliver a fair few wins, I reckon, this year. So um, I reckon we're in for a good year and we might upset a couple of people. Yeah, cool. Hey, before I let you go, I, I've just worked out that, so the first time you'll play against the Sharks, Knights v Cronulla will be round 12. So you've got to get to May to, to get there. Um, but it's going to be at Coffs Harbour. So there's a bit of synergy. So it'll be in your original backyard against the old team. Yeah, it's funny how that works, eh? <laughs> <laughs> um, so looking forward to it, but mixed emotions, I reckon. Yeah, I bet. Good on you, Lockie. Hey, thanks for your time this morning, mate. I, I think everyone's, um, you know, really rooting for you in this one and hope that the Knights can have a great season ahead. It's going to be an extraordinary one. So best of luck on that one. All the best when the family get up there and enjoy Newcastle. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks so much. Good man. Lockie Miller there. New Newcastle night as of this season until the end of 2025. Plus, we previewed the Bulldogs' 2023 chances and if they can make the top eight. So you and Joel Kane, very, very bullish on the Bulldogs' yes. 2023 season. So I'll just put it out there right now. The Bulldogs will make the top eight in 2023. Is that an overreaction? No, nope, not an overreaction. So I'm gonna, think- I haven't done my top eight finally yet. Neither. I- I'm waiting for the CBA to be done. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Actually, maybe we do that tomorrow. Our top eights? No, our CBA. What needs to be in our CBA? Oh, I like that. In yeah. The morning show CBA. Yeah. Or on the SEN CBA. Well, on ours. Okay. Right? Yeah. We've got Matty Johns coming on board next week. We've got Webby. On Monday, we've got Webby. We probably need a bit of a CBA to make sure. listeners' interaction. I mean, clearly your part of the CBA has already taken place without the With document the being signed. Correct. Yes. Right. Um, so park the, put that in your little black book. Done. Uh, what was it? No, Bulldogs. Into, I, think the, I think the doggies are, are, are set for the top eight. I don't know. I, I haven't done the... He's got a vibe. I haven't done the facts and figures to determine who's going to miss out mm-hmm. because for them to get in, somebody essentially has to go out. But I think they're a big, big chance of being top eight contenders this year. So I don't think that's an overreaction at all. Do you? Um, I do think there's a little bit overreaction, and I'll give my reasons why. I think they've got a very serviceable forward pack. Uh, Viliami Kikau, Reid Marnie are two massive additions in the coaches' poll. They agreed that they were the two best signings of the year. Add that to the guys I already have there in Luke Thompson, Tavita Pengai Jr., Raymond Fatala Mariner, um, young guys like Max King, Jackson Tapine. So, yeah, there is some... There is a lot of promise there in the forwards. Um, Matt Burden, superstar. Like, he's the guy. They're investing five years in him. I don't really know if five years is a, bit, is a good deal, but whatever. They've agreed to, to sign that. So he's the guy moving forward. Um, the thing that worries me is their back line. So Burden, Adokar, superstars. Superstars in their own right. But then you've got a guy like, and a lot of critics have put the boot in the last few years, but Kyle Flanagan. You, you, you ride or die with your halfback. You ride or die with your seven, and there's so many good halfbacks in the league, so it's tough. Um, and then you've got a fullback, and by all reports, a guy by the name of Hayes Perham is going to be playing fullback for the Dogs come round one. So they've decided to go, Cameron Serrato, first-year coach, has decided to go with Hayes Perham over a guy like Jake Avarillo, who I thought was really, um, he was above average last year when he moved back back into to his natural fullback position. So that's half of your spine where I've got, I've got major questions about. Hayes Perham, who hasn't played a lot of, NRL football and Kyle Flanagan, who I think we've seen enough to to be to be a good judge on him and say, I don't know if he can crack it. I don't know if he can be a guy to lead you to the finals or play an integral role um, in helping you win a premiership. Go back to 2020, he was in that Roosters system. He got dropped right before the finals. Was brought in for a couple of games, but um, they kicked him after a year. Whether it was right or wrong, they made the decision. He's now at the Bulldogs. And then you've got an inexperienced and young um, uh, centers and wingers. So you got a guy like Jacob Carras, who was fantastic in his debut year, Bulldogs favorite, Bulldogs junior, still inexperienced. You got a guy like Paul Alamotti, who's tipped to make his debut at center this year. Great raps on him, but still 18. And you got a guy like Braden Burns, who's been in and around, in and out of first grade the last five or six years. So there's yep. there are the question marks I've got over the Bulldogs. And I reckon they're all fair. Maybe in 2025. Especially when they get a guy like 25. Bronson. Uh, 2024, sorry. I'm going to 2025. 2024, they'll get Bronson Cherry as well that year. Maybe they might get a guy like Mitch Moses. Who knows? But I think they'll be in the 9th to 12th, maybe 9th to 11th range. Okay. I, I'm, I'm looking for a top eight performance from them. And just on Kyle Flanagan, who's going to be a key focus on that. Yes. You know, we always say that players in the NRL really don't hit their straps until they've played 50 games. Right, and then from fifty games onwards is where you kind of belong to be at that at that level, which is interesting given that the average player plays forty games, I think, over the course of their career. He's just gone past that. Yeah. He's essentially a sixty-game player, sixty-two-game player. The two words for me that will make a huge difference this year, and perhaps 
answer those questions about Kyle Fleming, Cameron Serraldo. I can't go past it, mate. Mm-hmm. Cameron Serraldo, and you said first year coach? Yes, kind of. Cameron Serraldo kind of, yes. is going to be massive, massive. So let's wait and see. Uh, so, no, I, I don't think it's an overreaction, and I've got him inside the eight. So we go – it's usually two to three teams that drop out. It's yes. going to be very, very interesting to see which which of those teams drop out because um, I'm, I mentioned this last year. Panthers drop back to the pack a little bit. Not a lot. They're still the deserved favorites. They lost Kikiao, um and they lost Coruscant, who's so important to that team. Roosters get a little bit better with Brandon Smith. Um, I think Broncos get better. Rabbitohs stay the same. They're going to be there and thereabouts. Sharks, it's going to be interesting to see how they, they go. Same with the Cowboys. Um, it's going to be very, very interesting. But I think if I had to just say it right now, just off the tip of my tongue, I think maybe the Raiders drop back. Yep. And possibly, this might sound outlandish, but the blue and gold Parramatta Eels, maybe. I haven't confirmed the top eight yet, but yep. just not feeling it From quite fourth, yet. From fourth. Yeah, and, and fourth to grand finalists. Grand finalists. Well, hey, they came top four in 2017, and then 2018, what happened? Wooden spooners. Mm. Anything can happen with the Parramatta Eels. Let's not put it past them. It's that window, isn't it? There's so many windows around. They're hard to – they're all open, by the way. It's Just work, some, it's are more work, <laughs> some are more open than others, Manny. It's working out when they're going to shut. Those damn windows. Back after this. Thanks for listening to another edition of The Best of Mornings with Matt White. Don't forget, for a Monday morning, 9am, Matty Johns joins Matt White every Monday for the Roundup. Starting from next week, the boys will review all the latest in NRL land and the world of sport, 9am to 11am each Monday. We'll see you then.